Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe. Uh, we're happy to be here in Lourdes, and we're actually wrapping up our pilgrimage, and I think this is going to be our, our last show here at the French Catholic Cafe. And I'm joined with my temporary sidekick, Robert Hutton. Robert, thanks for being here with us. I feel like breaking into song, actually. That's exa- And there's a good reason for that. That's right. Because well, why don't we get, you lead us, well, we No, I won't do that. Okay. But I will say that uh, we've had so many different kinds of guests. We've had philosophers. We've had cardinals. We've had bishops. We've had deacons. We've had all kinds of people. But, you know, this is the first time we've ever had a Broadway producer on our show. That's true. And we have Karen Goodwin. And Karen's a Broadway producer, and she's involved with, uh, you started a company, Fifth Avenue Entertainment? Yes. Well, Karen, thank you so much for joining us here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. <laughs> thank you, Is this Deacon. like one of those luxurious boxes in one of those old, grand old theaters? <laughs> this is very theatrical, to be on the River Gav with the grotto nearby and beautiful monasteries and Yeah, it's going to be sad leaving here. Uh, But hopefully maybe we can come back another time and uh, and have this great uh, spiritual experience, but also this great experience of meeting all these different people. And I met you here at Lourdes. You're you're one of the Malads. You're a pilgrim here at Lourdes. Um, And uh, it's been a beautiful experience, hasn't it? It has been. And I have to tell you, you know, when I was first invited to come on the pilgrimage and as a Malad, I was de- it was described to me that I would be carted around and uh, not be able to walk to all the places. Right. And I'm a producer. I'm behind the scenes. I'm not in front of the camera. But the I thought uh, like stage. a Broadway producer would be used to being carted around, right? You don't have somebody carrying you around. Uh, uh, no. No. But I'll tell you what. Now, you have been, uh, when, I, when I was first talking to you, you started telling me some of the productions that you were actually involved in. Because I started by telling you, like, oh, these are my favorite shows. And you're kind of nodding your head. And, and you're, like, thinking, should I tell him or should I not tell him? <laughs> tell us some of the shows that you've been involved in that we might have heard of. Well, I have a great beginner's luck story. Uh, I aspired at one point to be a Broadway performer and uh, damaged my voice and was unable to pursue that. So I went in a completely different direction, studying psychology and uh, getting a master's degree in that field. But my real love was theater. And so I really wanted to figure out how I could, if I couldn't perform, how could I be involved? So I thought I could produce, but I had neither money nor experience nor training. And those are two really bad things, to, or three really bad things not to have if you if want you money, want to experience, produce. and training. I mean, yeah. those are usually the three things you need. Yeah, I, 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 the same thing. I want to be an astronaut, you know, and, and as soon as I get those three things, money, experience, and training, I will be an astronaut. <laughs> so I thought, okay, I'll do it the old-fashioned way. I will find a mentor, and I will find a way to raise money. And I will get the experience from my mentor, and then I'll be ready to go. You picked a pretty good mentor to start with, though, didn't you? I did. Who was, was that? This is Cameron McIntosh, now Sir oh, Cameron of course, McIntosh, of course. the British impresario. And he was on a trip to Paris 26 or 7 years ago, and at an annual festival, uh, arts festival, 
heard what we all now know to be Les Miserables. Ah, Les Mis. <laughs> Les Mis. <laughs> and by any other name, to the to the people of France, this is one of their great cultural icons is this novel. Wow, Les Mis. I mean, it's a, it's a, that, is, that is like the quintessential show, right? It's, it's such a big, beautiful, powerful show, and Victor Hugo's novel is just is so deep, and, and that show does such a good job of bringing that. And there's some really interesting themes in there. We'll talk about that in a minute, but other shows that you were involved yes, in? Yes, with Cameron, uh, we then, my company, uh, helped finance Phantom of the Opera in London. Oh, a few people have heard of that show as well. <laughs> and we helped bring that to New York, both Les Mis and Phantom. And uh, we did a show called Miss Saigon. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just a few. So you, you, you have, you've had a little brush with success. Yes, yeah, a little brush with That's success. That's fantastic. Now, what was your faith life like? We're finding ourselves here in Lourdes. Right, so obviously there's some Catholic faith there. Yes. Were you always a good Catholic girl? You know, I was raised in a beautiful Catholic home and Catholic culture. Your Catholic faith was important to your family. Well, it was central in every way. I mean, all the devotional practices, some of which are lost now, were part of our everyday life. Uh, we, we said morning offerings. We said grace at every meal. We said the daily rosary. And I had a foot in the door of the pre-Vatican Council world and the post. And so my early years, our nuns had the full habit. And the nuns would visit us at the beginning of every school year to introduce themselves as our new teachers. So, you know, the flying nuns were in our living room. <laughs> That's right. So you, you, had that, you had that great Catholic uh, faith as, uh, in, in your upbringing. And you, you maintained that. Now, the interesting thing is you also had this love for Broadway, obviously, brewing yes. sometime in your, in your childhood. I don't know when it might happen. But, but the point is you chose that path, right? Mm-hmm. You, you knew what you wanted to do and where you wanted to be. And I guess we should talk for a second about about Broadway. It seems like that a good Catholic girl would not fit into Broadway. <laughs> I, I just know of some of the plays, and we know of some of the the lifestyle choices that people make. We know of the some of the, the subject matter, and we know that the theater is not always friendly to the Catholic Church uh, and, and to living the, the faith and the teachings of the Catholic mm-hmm. Church. So how did you suppose that you were going to, you know, still maintain that good Catholic girl status that you had? Well, you know, part of the natural path, and I was not conscious of this, now I can reflect on it, but in in our family, in our parish, in our school, uh, theater was really a big deal. We put on shows at, in, in our home, you know, we, we were very theatrical. My mother had alternating classical music and musical theater playing in our house. And we also would visit the museums in Washington, D.C., which really, even though they're national secular museums, uh, have great religious art. And to have that kind of formation, that beauty, mystery, and faith are all of a piece And, of course, as children, you don't understand the full significance of that, that as Catholics we believe faith and reason uh, reveal. A lot of people would feel, though, that, and I know stories of people that that find themselves involved in an environment, they go into this environment, and rather than them change the environment, the environment ends up changing them, because that's a pretty powerful environment Mm -hmm. there. And so you never had that problem? 
Well, I wouldn't say it's not a challenge or that there aren't temptations as there are in every life, every career. But I was not conscious of that. I didn't enter my profession as a producer being concerned about my soul. I just had a passion for creating cultural artifacts, if you will, on the theater. And uh, and it was just something that I found necessary to do. But what I also was very mindful of was how I would choose shows, that I wanted to be a producer who would make shows that were good and true and beautiful and somehow serve the common good, but not in a direct sort of ham-fisted way. So you, you made the conscious decision to, the, to avoid the trash, as it yes. were. And yes. I think Phantom fits that. Yeah, absolutely. Redemption and, and a lot of the theories and the shows you produced, I think, reflect those kinds yes. of things. Oh, I know. The, just the storylines in, in Les Mis. Mm-hmm. You know, and just what happens in that story is, is actually very Catholic. It yeah. is very Catholic. And everything I've done, some of which it's not as transparent why it would fit that Catholic worldview, but it, but it does because the stories, not unlike Greek mythology, they can be grappling with tough subjects, war and, you know, Medea killing her children. <laughs> but if the story is told as the parables were, which is my model of storytelling, uh, then dealing with even the dark side of humanity, we find where the redemptive virtues are and how the redemptive ending comes about. That's wonderful. We have so much more to talk about on your uh, your journey that has taken you from Broadway and beyond and ended up here in Lourdes, yes. uh, as a matter of fact. And we'll do that right after a break. But before we do that, I want to remind folks at home, they have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Uh, and also, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to uh, have you email me, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so we'll be back with Act Two right after this. And this is another great moment in church history. Imagine that you were the leader of a small theater troupe in early Rome. And imagine that the emperor was coming to your theater to see your play. Well, that's exactly what tradition tells us about Genesius, an actor who lived and worked in Rome in the late 3rd century. Genesius wanted more than anything to impress his emperor, the famous Diocletian, who was well known for his intense hatred and relentless persecution of the early Christians. Genesius decided to produce and act in a play that mocked the followers of Christ, for he knew that this would find great favor with his emperor, and perhaps help him to advance himself in the Roman art society. But, as is sometimes the case, all did not go as planned. His big performance before the emperor was to be his last. In the play, which was meant as a parody of the Christian faith, Genesius portrayed a catechumen no longer seeking baptism. But, as the play progressed toward the final climatic scene, one legend tells us that Genesius suddenly had a vision of heaven and of angels. Struck with fear and perhaps a realization of the sinful path he had chosen for his life, He fell to the stage floor as if he were sick. Two actors portraying a priest and an exorcist came to him to offer assistance, 
unsure if he was truly ill or just improvising a new scene. They asked him what he desired, and he told them, I want to be baptized. They now knew he was no longer acting, and the play would not end as written. They tried to get him off the stage, but he refused. Overcome by the Holy Spirit, he again demanded to be baptized. Needless to say, Emperor Diocletian was not enjoying himself. He soon became infuriated. He immediately had Genesius arrested and hauled before the prefect of the Praetorium. The prefect tortured Genesius in an attempt to get him to recant his Christian profession of faith. Genesius refused to recant. He was now and would be forever a follower of Jesus. Emperor Diocletian had Genesius beheaded. Although he did not receive a baptism of water as he had requested, he did receive a baptism of the blood that he shed in union with his Savior, Jesus Christ. He lived as an actor, but he died a Christian martyr. St. Genesius is the patron saint of actors, comedians, clowns, musicians, dancers, and lawyers. His feast day is celebrated August 25th. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we are here with Broadway producer Karen Goodwin. Karen, we are so appreciative of the fact you took time out of your, your busy pilgrimage, but also your busy work schedule. You're working on some new musicals you told me about. That sounds exciting. We're looking forward to some of that uh, stuff right around the corner. But let's talk a little bit more about Broadway and the Catholic experience of Broadway. I mean, a lot of people don't even know that there could be, I mean, if something is on Broadway, you're thinking there'd be these big theaters with big lights and flashing marquees, but is there also a, a Catholic presence there in Broadway? Without question. I mean, so many people today think of Manhattan as being, you know, the center of the secular culture in America, but really every few blocks there's a Catholic church, and the archdiocese there is a beautiful, strong archdiocese with a wonderful cardinal at the helm and on really you can't literally walk more than a few blocks without entering a catholic church and still seeing nuns on the streets and priests on the streets and they're not actors and right? they're not actors <laughs> no they're not costumed for a performance they're the real deal and in the theater district itself we have a parish uh, called saint Merrick. St. Malachy's Catholic Church, and in it there's an actor's chapel devoted to St. Genesius, the patron saint of actors. Yeah, he's a patron saint of actors, comedians, and clowns. There we go. Yeah, he's he's a hero hero of mine. (laughs) Absolutely. And you would be perhaps surprised, but there are many Catholic women and men and children who are Broadway actors stage hands, musicians, every part of the business. What we see on television, what we read about in the in the trades or whatever, we we see this as totally counter the Broadway culture, right? I, mean, I just I I'm really fascinated to find yes. that there is sort of a Catholic subculture there. There is, and it it's complex. There's a broader Christian culture on Broadway as well. 
And the church, St. Malachy's, which caters to this community, has masses late at night after the shows. You'll find a church full of people attending mass. And the priests there serve our community in very unique ways because we have very unusual schedules, for one thing. We're often working on the Sabbath, and uh, we have nighttime performances that don't get over till 10.30 or 11 at night. And so there is not only a community of Catholics, but a community of priests, lay people, and religious who are serving this community. Well, that's so good to hear that, that, that the Catholic Church is actually serving that community, because it is hard, I'm sure, to be in that business and to be a Catholic. But do you, like, leave your faith at the door of the church when you leave? Do you, do you take it with you into your meetings and into your Broadway in, environment? How, how does that work? I'm definitely not interested in segmenting my life. You're not a closet Catholic. I'm not a closet Catholic. No, I arrive, you know, during Ash Wednesday, I can have a meeting, and I've got always, it seems, the largest, deepest black cross (laughs) of ashes on my head. I cannot disguise myself during that day alone. But no, my colleagues know I'm Catholic. I schedule meetings around daily mass. Um, if I have to leave for something or I, there's a holiday or not something I have to do, my colleagues cover for me. And there's so much love and respect and acceptance among most of the Broadway community for our various differences, which are many. Oh, yes. I mean, we have people of different faiths. We have people of no faith, agnostics, atheists, devoted secularists, people of all the political parties. Oh, yes. And and different ways of life. And we have family members, and we have gay, straight, black, Asian, white. I mean, we truly are the family of... God's creation. We're, we represent right. all so that's, types. <laughs> that's, that's Broadway. And, and really, I think that presents a challenge to you in terms of like how you practice your faith in, in light of all of that. The scriptures tell us that we're all to, to go and you know, preach the gospel to the world, right? We're mm-hmm. all supposed to evangelize. Each of us is called. Uh, and even the Holy Father uh, having us focus on the new evangelization is really trying to sort of represent Right, that yes. that story of Christ and what He did for us, and is continuing to do for us every day. And so you're called, Karen, right, in your environment to do that same thing. Do you do you uh, do you practice that? How does that work for you? Well, I'm certainly mindful of it based on the choices I make of the shows I produce and projects I get involved in, and and I also have found an extraordinary group of colleagues who have a similar worldview and who are trying to build a network of investors who will support uh, shows that our colleagues are are developing. And my uh, philosophy, I guess, um, is that I find the sacred in ordinary life, and it's seamless to me, and it is how... My formation was as a child, and it's very much a natural part of how I live, and I don't find it to be a strain to live that way on Broadway in in my career. But at the same time, there may be challenges about 
lines in a script or costuming or how we're going to sell tickets. Is it ethical? Um, And sitting at a meeting and, you know, principles of subsidiarity and solidarity and justice come up every day in a meeting with your colleagues about how to form a partnership, how to raise the money, not only the selection of the content of the show. And I've actually never, ever had anyone uh, disrespect me for what I bring to the table. I get teased. Right. I sometimes feel like I'm a pet, you know, that they yeah. can... <laughs> Let's bring our Catholic yeah. in. What, does, our Catholic yes, what say? does she say? Um, but I also don't proselytize. I was going to say, because I bet you, you you are respected because you're respecting others. And that's a key for all of us that we can sit there and think that, oh, we're right. Mm-hmm. And I can prove we're right. But that's not the attitude that's ever going to convert anybody to your way of thinking or to no. God's way of thinking. And especially in that community. I mean, any... Catholic, especially those of us mindful of the John Paul II's call to a new evangelization and the Pope Benedict XVI's continuing call and the new ways the church is trying to bring together uh, Catholic artists and communicators in the Vatican and around the archdiocese of all the major cities in the world to begin new ways of communicating and Leaders such as Cardinal Whirl in Washington um, are responding to that call and giving us guidance. One thing I can say that's a beautiful, extraordinary thing that's happened in the last year is that we formed a Catholic guild, the Catholic Artists Society. Wow. Um, under the spiritual direction of Father George Rutler I and want to join. other priests. Do you, do you take <laughs> radio? No, no, no. <laughs> radio talk show hosts, I think, would be uh, in, in that group. We'll have to talk. We'll talk yes. later. Yeah. So, you know, as I say, there are definitely challenges we face, as anyone working in the world does. But I find that by being, you attract rather than... Uh, you attract interest, which leads to conversation, just as you have on your radio show. That's exactly. It's a great. It's a brilliant point because a lot of times that we we can preach the gospel just by our actions, right? Mm-hmm. Let, letting people know, and they sense that. I mean, I sense when I when I first met you, I sense you were a very spiritual person, and you can tell that. But you never said to me, you know, I'm a very spiritual person. Yes. <laughs> and right. So when you're going, when you're in an environment that might be hostile to the teachings of the church. Just you living those teachings and, and letting people see in you the genuineness and then the true love that actually is behind all of those teachings, mm-hmm. right? Because you're talking about Jesus. These are his teachings, and he loves, right? That's, yes. that's, that's who he is, his nature. And that's where I begin. I mean, I love my profession. I love the theater. I love my colleagues, and they know it. And at the same time, if I say I have to excuse myself from this rehearsal because I have to get to Mass before the day ends, they'll be, a, if they're new colleagues in the room, they're a bit wide-eyed, really? That's you're right. still a Catholic in this day and age? And that will lead to a conversation. So that is what gives me opportunities to talk about my faith and my virtues that I aspire to bring to my workplace. And that's great. And, you know, I think for a second, though, I, we should leave Broadway just just for a little bit. And I know that there are people listening going, well, I'm not a Broadway producer. 
but I think there might be some folks who are listening who are in environments that would be hostile, right, yes, to the indeed. Catholic faith, and they're trying to maintain their own love of the church and her teachings and find it difficult because they're in a difficult environment, whether it's a factory or, or some other mm-hmm. restaurant or somewhere where they're surrounded by people who don't believe what the church mm-hmm. teaches. And so what advice would you give them? To me, the most important thing is my continuing spiritual formation. And I have a spiritual director who I searched for long and hard. Um, and I think now more lay people are getting involved, uh, pastoral ministers, uh, etc., who are not ordained. So there are more people available to lay Catholics for their ongoing formation in spiritual life and just observing some of the norms, becoming uh, willing to introduce returning to daily mass if possible or at least weekly visits to an adoration chapel uh saying the rosary just getting back into your catholic habits and devotional norms which i slipped away from Uh, i would still go to sunday mass but i i was not as mindful every day of how important it is to observe observe those norms and that strengthens you you grow in love if you love your colleagues because they're simply fellow travelers on the salvation journey then if you're prepared and show respect people want to get to know you and then they get to know your faith that way there's a there's a great expression you cannot give what you do not have and if Mm -hmm. you're wanting to give someone the gift of the church right Unless you're living the teachings of the church, yes. you can't get so. So, building up your own spiritual self uh, is a way to uh, to arm yourself for that yes. the, the Christian battle yes. uh, that we all have. Well, Karen, thank you so much for spending some time with us here at the Catholic Cafe's luxurious corner booth. <laughs> Not as luxurious as those wonderful balcony seats in the in the theater, I'm sure. But uh, we've really been enriched by our conversation here, and I hope folks at home. Uh, can hear some of this and maybe take a few little morsels and uh, and apply them to their lives uh, wherever they may be. Thank you, Deacon Jeff. Well, we're going to close in prayer, and we're going to ask Our Lady of Lourdes, we're going to ask Mary to be with us and also to be with all those people who are maybe in the the Broadway area or in any industry that's that's hostile to the teachings of the church and is not open necessarily to uh, the love of God. Uh, And we're going to ask Mary to intercede. We'll pray the Hail Mary for them. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee.
Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. Thank you.